0: Welcome back to the Board Game Community Show. I'm your host, Riley Stock, and today I'm joined by Katie Allred from Knife Bunny Games. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Good. Thanks
0: so much for coming on. Well,
1: back on, really. Yes, yeah. We just did that one uh, episode recently about persuasion.
0: Yeah. So if you go back a couple of episodes and you haven't heard it, It's one of my favorite episodes because the game is just so much fun, but we play Katie's game Persuasion, which is like a Victorian age dating sim.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so we talk about, I had seven other people. There were eight total players and we played it and I just cut in clips of some of the some of the action and it, yeah, I really enjoyed that episode and I enjoyed your game. That's the second time I played it and I just love it so much.
1: Oh yeah. I was really flattered that, um, yeah, you had the game on the show and I thought it was really fun and everybody has such kind things to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You,
0: I, at one point, so I left it in where you were saying, I'm sorry, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed because (laughs) everyone was giving you such kind like uh, responses to it, and and I liked that, so I I had to leave that in because I thought that was a fun <laughs> response.
1: Well, thank you. It was it was. Uh, I had such a good time with that.
0: We don't have to talk too much about persuasion. Go listen to that episode, people, and you'll get to know way more about it. <laughs> Let's do the standard questions of how you got into board games.
1: I've been into designing games pretty much my whole life, but for a good chunk of it, I was just interested in, like, video games, because I was like, video games are, it, it feels really silly to say, like, now, but I used to be like, video games are more accessible, you don't have to explain the rules to people, it's just like, bang, boom, you're in, and you're playing the game, and you're in the experience, But I've since, like, kind of come to accept that, like, video games are not as accessible as you might think they are. I'm getting a little sidetracked, but now I want to go on this tangent. (laughs) Go
0: for it. Hey, tangent away.
1: (laughs) Like, in terms of, like, art forms, like, video games, there are so many, like, pieces and components that have to be in place for you to experience it the way it was intended. Like, you can't play the original Super Mario Bros., like, the way it was intended, unless you happen to pull off that old NES, because, like, the controllers are different. The, like, way it's emulated, the ability to save in the middle of it's different. Like, the experience that you have today playing Super Mario Bros. is different from the one you had, like, if you played it as a kid, as I did, um, showing my age a little. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but whereas with board games, if you want to have like, the experience that you have playing Monopoly now is pretty similar to the experience that you had, like, playing Monopoly as a kid. Like, maybe they've, like, renovated, like, the pieces, stylized it a little bit differently, but it's the same, like, experience. But, like, not only that, but, like, not everybody has, like, computers. Like, a Nintendo system is expensive, and so are the controllers and the maintenance and all that stuff. And, And even nowadays, it's, like, there's, like, updates and stuff for the consoles, even. Like, um, (laughs) there's just, like, a lot of, like, moving parts with computer games. At some point, um, so, like, my sibling is, like, and uh, their friends are, like, really into board games. And, like, most of them play, like, like heavy Euro-type games when most people talk about how they got into board games, I'm usually hearing stuff like, I played Catan and my mind was blown. And like, but for me, I was, I've been, I had been playing Ticket to Ride and Power Grid and all these kind of heavy games. I was sort of like, eh, oh, whatever. (laughs) 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 So you got a lot of pieces. You got a lot of math. It's like, I'm glad that's, that's doing it for you. But this is just social time for my friends. Um, But then like, Oh, one day my sibling brought out Root, and my mind was just blown with that game. I was like, um, I was like, wait, but there's so many different ways to play it, and like, and there's like a story going on. If you're playing the raccoon, you're like Littlefinger, and like a war between like these factions, and like, um, And I thought that was really compelling, and I I started getting into it, and I'm like, there's, like, a lot of different strategies, there's a lot of different, like, emergent things going on, the way you use the cards, like, evokes, like, an image of what's going on in the universe, there's, like, a lot of storytelling potential there, and so I just kind of fell down that rabbit hole of, like, board games could be art, Um, and board games could be really compelling art, and they by their very nature, encourage a very social experience that you don't necessarily have with video games. There are some very good social video games like Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes or um, what's that? Too many it's not overcooked. Uh, overcooked. Overcooked's another good one. There's like there are some good video games that encourage like very fun social interactions, but board games by their very nature are really push that. Like, the like board games are compelling because of the social element for me, which is why I dislike Euro games so much. <laughs> Whoa! Sorry. I
2: didn't Sorry. know that! <laughs> okay.
1: Wait, why don't you like Euro games? Because I find the social element of Euro games to be very limited. That's fair. To me, Euro games are very much like, who could do their math homework best? And, like, <laughs> some people, like, that's cool. Like, that works for you. I'm happy for you. I'm glad that exists for you. Um, It's just not my cup of tea, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, that
0: makes sense. I get that. Sometimes my wife gets mad because she's very impulsive when she plays games. And so a lot of times I end up winning. And sometimes I win by a lot. And I don't mean to, you know, I'm just... Well, I have that whole gaming history and, you know, it's second nature to me. But at the same time, I like to think really hard and think a couple moves ahead. So Euro games work for me. And she likes playing Euro games, but she gets frustrated because she doesn't want to have to math out multiple turns ahead. She wants to just play her game by herself type thing with other people. I totally get it.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's weird is that... I'm very good at the math and plotting, turns out. So, like, um, so we'll play the Euro games, and I'll tend to do really good. Like, there's one, like, uh, when I play with my group of friends, there's, like, a joke that you, like, kick their butts at every board game. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) it will just be this really funny thing of, like, yeah, uh, uh, I'm just really good at board games, everybody. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but, like, um, it'll be this funny joke where we'll play a board game and then I'll win. I'll be like, that was awesome, I hate it.
0: <laughs> so what is your type of game? What's your favorite?
1: So I have, like, a very strange spread of games that I really like. I like games like PAX Premier. I like games like Oath and Root. But I also really love um, Modern Art. Modern Art's one of my favorite uh, games. I really like uh, High Society. I like um, Poetry for Neanderthals. I have this like, spread of like party games and really complicated like <laughs> war <laughs> games. <laughs> that's a good
0: spread. Yeah, that's it's a good variety. I think that's important, though. Variety is important. Even if you don't like Euros, it doesn't hurt to occasionally play them. It can be fun. Yeah, yeah, and you can be good at it and trash your friends. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I don't. I don't want to give the wrong impression. I think euros are a fine thing, a fine. Like, no, you heard it here and...
0: first. She,
1: yeah,
0: Katie hates euros. She thinks <laughs> they're all garbage. <laughs> Bring it
1: on! <laughs> <laughs> they don't do it for me, but um. <laughs> But yeah, I think like games like Cosmic Encounter and Root, like they have like this very fun interplay of like this like king making sort of element, which some people think is like a bad thing, but I think those games lean into it in an interesting way. Of like um like I think half of like who wins in root is who convinces the other people that the other players are the real threats. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Yeah and in euros it's yeah you don't there's not as many opportunities to like screw over somebody i guess i what i really like is the uh, ability to just wreck my friends i guess <laughs> <laughs> and this totally makes sense cuz when we were
0: playing persuasion the second time I was playing it I still hadn't realized that I could totally bluff and lie to people if I wanted to and try and make myself look like a more attractive suitor. And I didn't until you did it. And I, all of a sudden it dawned and I just realized I've been playing this wrong. I totally could have been, you know, insinuating that I had more roses than I did (laughs) and trying to lure somebody in. (laughs) Yeah. Ah. So, yeah. I can see why you like that type of thing. And it reflects in your, oh, at least the one game I've played, its design.
1: I like games that sort of facilitate that space of, like, do you trust me? <laughs> 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 nothing like an overt, like, um, while well, uh, well, I do enjoy games like one. Um, One Night Werewolf. While I do enjoy games like that, I think there's, like, those games lean a little bit too much on, like, the social, like, smooth talking ability of people. Um, But I like games that have, like, this space of, like, um, you could... I could be working together with you, or this could be a Prisoner's Dilemma situation where I'm trying to, like, backstab you to ensure... For certain that I win. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought that was a really cool thing that came up while we were playing too was, you know, David plays werewolf with survivor contestants. And he was like, I like this more because there there's a perception you bring into those types of party games of people, you know. No matter what you do, if you're a good board gamer and a smooth talker, people are automatically going to distrust you and be like, Nope, <laughs> you're a werewolf. No matter what you do, you can't convince me otherwise because of the way you
1: play games. And I know, you know. Yeah, there, I had like, I'm sorry, I had this. It just reminded me of this really funny experience I had um, playing Cosmic Encounter. And I'm not sure if you played that game before, but um, every time you have an encounter with somebody, you and the opponent play like these cards of these encounter cards, and most of the cards have like a number and that determines how strong of a force you're going in with, but there are also these negotiation cards, and if both of you play a negotiation card, you both have, like, the ability to, like, negotiate some exchange, and usually it's a mutually beneficial thing, because you both essentially get a point out of it, Um, but if one player plays a negotiation, and the other plays a combat, it's just a guaranteed victory for the player playing the combat card, and there's, like, some compensation, so there's some Strategical reasons why you might, um, where you might negotiate when somebody's combating you. But for the most part, like, like in my group, we had like this sort of unspoken thing of like, whenever we go in, and we're like, "You want to just negotiate instead?" And i like, "Yeah, let's just negotiate." And then we like <laughs> play those negotiation cards. But one time, I was like, uh, like uh, my friend was like, "You want to negotiate?" And I had like no negotiation cards, and I was like, "Yes." Let's negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> and I backstabbed them. And then later on in the game, I had negotiation cards. So I was like, look, look, for real this time. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: Creates a good, memorable moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fond memories.
1: Yeah. I know I just backstabbed you like five minutes ago, but look, trust me. Did they do it? They did, and oh, we okay. both negotiated.
0: <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. If if you had to choose one game or three, but if you can choose one, what would it be as your favorite?
1: Oath. Oath for sure. Okay. Like my favorite. I think it might have been on your show, but um I, I remember hearing on a show like Oath is a hard game because you have to have like the same group coming to it every time. But it's a legacy like game, but you don't have to have the same group showing up every time. <laughs> like <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that. Um like uh you could have it it's it tells a better story when you have the same people showing up because it's sort of like, oh, this player won, and now they're the chancellor, and this is the kingdom that they formed, and stuff like that. And this, they formed an alliance with this player that session, but but it's very easy to just like have somebody new come in or have somebody drop out and come back in later. And um, but that game tells such amazing stories um, with. S- Like essentially no flavor text. The flavor text is just the names of the cards and how their abilities interlock. My God, there's just there's something really beautiful about that game that I just love. It's it's been like Cole Worley's work in general has been like a huge inspiration to like my design processes.
0: That's one I really really want to play, but I can never justify buying it because I know I would never get it to the table. And I hear that really the one and two player games are mediocre but 3 yeah. and up or 3 and 4 I think is where it shines is what I've heard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that game is very weak as a one player game. I have some <laughs> recordings of me playing it one player and they're yeah, it is definitely not as great or oh, a really? telling experience. Yeah, yeah, I do.
0: <laughs> are they out there? Can we watch them?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're on YouTube. Um I should warn you that this was like before I started like like integrating with the board game community, so, like, I haven't gotten, like, my swearing under control yet. <laughs> so I swear, like, a sailor does video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, naughty, naughty.
0: No. <laughs> I mean, to, to be honest, I'm, I, I swear quite a bit. Like, I swear like a sailor off the air. <laughs> so, yeah. hey, no judgment.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I... I went through a long period where I was like, no swearing, and then, and then I went into a period of like, like actually, heck yeah, swearing. Um, <laughs> and then I started getting part of the board game community, and it's like, oh, understandably, they're not really into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I uh, I started taking a improv class recently, and last week. I went to it and we had to give like a monologue, an improv monologue up on stage uh, by ourselves. Well, that's obviously what a monologue is. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. Uh, and so I went up there and they gave me my topic and I started, like I came on just with high energy as if I was like doing a convention. I was the first one of the night and I started going and I, I cursed a little bit. And then later I realized that she had recorded me, the instructor had recorded me, and then the next day she posted it online and I was like, oh no. Oh gosh, my family's gonna hear me cursing <laughs> up a storm here. <laughs> and luckily she had edited it out. Like she she edited out the swearing. <laughs> nice, nice. Should I leave that part in the podcast? I don't know. Well, fam, if you're listening to that, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it really is. It's kind of an interesting thing. The majority of board game content creators don't curse in their stuff. I mean, occasional podcasts, occasional YouTubers will. And I guess, do you think it's because it's a family hobby?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's because... I think it's because there's this perception that games is, like, a medium for, like, the whole family, including kids, and that there has to be some level of, like, like family friendliness in that, like, when you p- create something for others to ingest. And I think, for the most part, that's, like, a good way to look at it. You want your stuff to be accessible. And to some families, they're really sensitive about it. And people have their reasons. And... That's totally fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, it's from my perspective, why I don't curse on the show is just for an accessibility thing. You know, people who like cursing aren't going to be necessarily turned off by us not cursing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: But people who are offended by it are going to be like, Oh, that's a no, you know,
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. heck no. (laughs) And you know, um, it's a lot harder to do this like verbally, but I've been getting into the habit of like whenever I feel myself compelled to like swear in like a text message or a tweet or something, I'll try to come up with like some like alternative and I'll try to get creative about it. And I find that that's a lot more like rewarding and fun when you're like like, like ah, oh, wet was full of sand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that's awesome. Well, I I actually really like that. And when I'm doing creative stuff, I usually try not to swear anyways because Mitch Horowitz, who was the writer for Arrested Development, he said it was really fun working on Arrested Development and you try and you can't swear, right? You can't swear on, on what is that, uh, network TV? Mm-hmm. And so he said we would have to come up with creative ways around that. And so you come up with these really funny moments that were purely, like, they could have easily just thrown in a swear word if they were on cable, but because they couldn't use that, they had to be creative and come up with something alternatively. Uh, And I really appreciated that. And kind of looking at other shows that do the same type of thing, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, you can, sometimes they just substitute it, right? Like Battlestar Galactica just says frack.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: which works. That's, you know, that's a good way to do it. But I like when you do the creative. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. There's like, yeah. forming like a new language of like, like, ah, uh, this, uh, uh, frack that. And like, ah, uh, this boots, like, that's like fine, but <laughs> it loses its charm quickly. I feel like <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> side stuff, tangents,
0: love it. I can see Behind you, multiple bunny statues, like above
1: oh. <laughs> yeah yeah i've i've uh, I've actually got my childhood
0: stuffed animal up there <laughs> oh nice is there only one bunny thing? I thought I saw two or three things
1: there's there's a couple there's a couple bunnies up there I've got a pushine with a top hat um, is it a bunny like, pusheen? uh no it's just a cat the pusheen. cat okay. Like right up here. Oh, okay, yeah.
0: I thought that was a bunny, too. I thought it was like a chubby bunny huddled up. But I, I couldn't see very clearly. I got my wife a Pusheen, and she absolutely loves it.
1: Yeah, they're so yeah. soft. Yeah, they're so squishy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was wondering
0: if Knife Bunny... What, I guess, how did you come up with Knife Bunny for
1: your name? So, um, I am really into the... Cute, stabby aesthetic, um, <laughs> that like fluffy, cute, or like, and but just like slightly menacing kind of aesthetic. And I can't remember how I was thinking about it. I was like, like, like a bunny with a knife sounds like a fun thing. I wonder if that domain is free. Oh, it is. Okay, well, that's gonna be mine now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a great way to come about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is that domain free? That means like nobody else is committed to it. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: let's talk about some of the games you're designing. We we've got persuasion check.
1: Mm-hmm. I've yeah, I've got like a few now, and they are all deduction games. <laughs> You've got a few you're good at. It's great. Yeah, yeah I think. um think the only well actually yeah there's all they all have some element of like deduction going on but um uh funnily i i have one that's um where you're playing as a detective and one player's playing as like a like a conspirator and that one is funnily probably the least deduction-y <laughs> of all of them oh interesting i thought <laughs> yeah, that one that looked was
0: really really interesting
1: yeah yeah, that one's a lot more like a logic puzzle than it is like a deduction game. Um, at higher player Counts, there's a deduction element because one player is playing as a saboteur trying to throw off the investigation. but like for the most part, the core game is like more of more along the lines of like mastermind like uh, one player is creating a puzzle and the others have to figure it out and it's a lot of like logic like if this is true, this is false kind of stuff. <laughs> What's that one called? That one's called Unraveled. That's right. And the inspiration of that was um, those like um, those like uh, what's it called? Those like string theory like conspiracy maps. Yeah. I wanted to make a a game that captured that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Right
0: here. A red yarn or a conspiracy map. I got like I
1: made this. Oh.
0: That is awesome. There's for viewer or for listeners obviously you can't see. She's yeah. got like a poster board with newspaper clippings and yarn or string <laughs> tied to together from clipping to clipping. Yeah. Yeah. Is there
1: I mean that Is there I,
0: actually a conspiracy in there?
1: Um, no. No. I just okay. I just clipped like all the things that look like they m- might look that somebody might form a connection between them and like <laughs> string them all together. Uh, but like, I am really bad at art. So whenever I have to make assets or anything, usually what I'll just do is I'll make something physical and take a photograph of it and <laughs> use that. Oh, I
0: love <laughs> so it. That's what, that works.
1: that's what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that's clever. Have you seen, do you watch community? I mean, back in the day, I guess. a.
1: Um, uh, A little bit, yeah.
0: One of my favorite things in season three, Chang becomes, like, the school security. And he ends up doing a whole conspiracy board and (laughs) does the whole, like, detective inner monologue. It's one of my absolute favorite episodes.
1: (laughs) I love that stuff.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I'm totally into that. Anyway. Rambling. Tangents. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? What other games you got? Um,
1: I've got, like, three other games, <laughs> and none of them are, like, published. I've got um, Opacity. Opacity is not really a deduction game. Um, Opacity is this uh, legacy trick-taking game where you're owls trying to, like, increase representation um, for your particular owls that's using like a standard deck of cards. And um the idea that is that diamonds start out overrepresented and all the other suits are like struggling and have to kind of work together in order to like um in order to get their representation into parliament, which is what you call a group of owls, which is like amazing.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh clever
0: clever. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> And then um, another game I have um, is called Conviction. I was designing that for this for this contest for nonviolent games about power and control in relationships. And so that's a game where um, you and your partner are having a quarrel over some relationship-ending subject. And you have to get... And so the game has two suits. One suit is your own and the other suit is your partner's. And your goal of the game is to get your cards of your suit into your player's deck. And so it's about getting into your partner's head. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been joking about packaging that with persuasion and being like, after you you win, play this game with the person you married.
2: (laughs) Oh, that would be fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can have a um, relay of games. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a whole like theme of games. Um, <laughs> and then the last game I just recently got to a playtestable state, so it's still very early concept. But I made it for the board game geek. Wait, uh, break the break my game <laughs> community game jam contest, and it's a game where you're time travelers trying to. Um, modify the timeline within a seven-minute window so that your ide- ideology is predominant. <laughs> oh, <that's pretty> clever. <laughs> How, how's that one go? So, in that one, you're, each player is in, like, a different epoch, and you can only travel to and from these epochs, so you can't, like, travel back in time five minutes and fix something you can only travel back in time like two centuries and change something then and so ah. each player is in a different epoch and every time a player in an earlier epoch takes an action, everybody in a later epoch gets a chance to like change the events that are tied to them there's a little bit of this Every every player has like different goals for what they want in the timeline and they don't necessarily conflict so like they, somebody might be like, I think the timeline is most in favor of me, and their player is like, I think it's most in favor of me, but they won't know until they've revealed their cards at the end. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. And that's another game where multiple people could win. I think all my games are semi-cooperative, except for Unraveled.
0: <laughs> that's really cool. I like that that concept of... I, I didn't think I would like it. We talked about that on the episode, but and I, I loved it because... I didn't necessarily, I wanted to hear what other people's experiences were with the game and how they ended up. That sounds like something similar with that, where you could have some really cool
1: stories happen. Yeah, yeah. There's very little in life that is like a zero-sum sort of conflict or the only way for me to get what I want is for you to not get what you want. So I feel like more games should reflect that. I think there's a lot of conflicts that we have in our real lives that don't necessarily have to end with you with one person losing or with necessarily lots of people winning. I like games where everybody could win and everybody could lose.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that's good. That represents life,
0: more yeah. of our day-to-day stuff. Yeah. And if you want to backstab people and be the only winner, hey, <laughs> that happens too.
1: Yeah, yeah. See how long your friendship lasts when you keep doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had a thought
0: on this the other day where you could betray people or help people, but in the game mechanic, you have like trust icons or trust meters and you can only do stuff, like you could only play certain cards uh, with another player if they trust you so much but if they distrust you then you could play different cards uh, and so like there's kind of benefits and disin disadvantages disadvantages <laughs> 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 to having people's trust and distrust i wanted yeah. to play with that kind of game design
1: yeah i'm i'm all about like i was joking with my sibling like a week or two ago that like half of my games the core mechanic is make yourself vulnerable to other players <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the core mechanic of, um, of persuasion and conviction, and to a lesser extent, Unraveled. <laughs> All yeah, those games are about like, giving power to other players.
0: <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> I can't do anything with my abilities. I have to pass it on to somebody else and be at their mercy.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: How vulnerable should I be to Katie? Is she going to screw me over?
1: Yeah, yeah. It ended up working out
0: well for Tim that game, but (laughs) Tim could have
1: got really screwed over.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he could have been very unhappy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey, it worked out for Phil, so hey, no worries. (laughs) Good time, good time. Oh, where can people find your games?
1: Yeah, like, I link all of my stuff on my website, KnifeBunny.com. It's a little janky, but, like, it's it links to my Twitter, which is where I'm most vocal about stuff. It links to my games that are all over the place, but mostly on Steam. Like They're all playable on Tabletop simulators, so I have them all there. So, yeah. My website's where you can find my stuff <laughs> knifebunny.com.
0: And it's, I think it's a cute uh, a cute website. It's kind of got that old school Game Boy or SNES style to it.
1: Yeah, or yeah. Or NES, either one. I I was like, I thought it would be fun to make it look like one of those dating simulators. Or That's like what I was thinking. Dialogue appears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like thinking for a while I wanted there to be like a metagame on it where you could like enter into like a dialogue tree with me. But then I was like, oh, this is too much work. <laughs> I just need a landing page. <laughs> I almost felt like it was going to go there.
0: <laughs> when I first about I was like, what is this? Okay. <laughs> oh my Maybe goodness. later. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, when you got more time. That'll Mm -hmm. never happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, if you're good with it, we talked about talking about a specific thing this episode, which I'm excited about. Yeah. When I was promoting the persuasion episode, I just referred to you as she, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and that's how I try to refute. That's how I try to refer to all trans. I just refer to them as what they identify as, you know, what they are. You know, you're a woman. You're not a trans woman to me. You're just a woman.
1: Right. Right.
0: And then I got thinking and worried, Oh, am I hurting representation by not saying Katie, this amazing trans mom that just is kicking butt at life. uh, You know, (laughs) was I hurting representation? And so I reached out on Twitter and we talked about that, but, Let's. I guess let's pretend I didn't, and <laughs> hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. So um, I I totally think that's the right way to go about it. Generally, just just treat trans people like the gender they identify as. Like that's 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 who they are, and and you don't necessarily want to include the fact that they're trans because you don't know if they want to. You don't know if they're out and if they feel safe being out and such like that. not everybody is as privileged and has that luxury. Um, I have that luxury. And so I try to be as loud about it as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I try to be very... Because the only reason I was able to realize that I was trans was because I witnessed other people living their life visibly trans. And so by being out there it helps people see like oh you could be trans and live a happy healthy normal life and not just be the butt of jokes or the victim of violence <laughs> you could just be a normal happy person <laughs> <laughs> it is possible <laughs> yeah yeah it's it is possible
0: <laughs> i'm glad to hear that and yeah. The last thing I want to do is hurt representation. Obviously I, you know, I, I think the Mick and Starla episode, you and I sort of talked about that for just a sec, but I brought up something and it was, I was well-meaning, but it came off a little ignorant and I'm glad that they corrected me and they addressed that very well. And it's one of those moments where it's like, Oh shoot. Yeah. I need to be careful the way I say certain things. Cause I didn't think that way, but it comes off that way. Uh, as I thought more about, like, how do you reach people of color? How do you reach more trans people? How do you reach these types of people? How do you get those type of people in our community, in our board game community? And today it dawned on me, like, because we're setting this up and and getting ready to do this interview, and I was like, oh, man, how many trans folks would be so excited to play a game by a trans designer? So, like, being a designer that's openly trans and loud and proud about it could draw in more trans people being a you know a black designer and and being loud and proud and and you know like showing your game out there and showing that you can do that that's going to draw people more people of color into the hobby uh and not only that but showing that it can be a safe space
1: yeah yeah i think it's it's so important to just get more diverse people out there. And what's important is that it's not just like depictions of like minorities and and like um, such people, but that you also have like designers and people who are in the creative process that are involved in like that representation. Because too often it's like you end up having like some like white, neurotypical, like, hetero people representing these, like, like people who are underrepresented, and they end up just misrepresenting them or simplifying their issues or vilifying them. And, like, so it really helps to have, like, more, like, those people who are just telling their own stories and sharing their own perspectives and Um, their own experiences. And so, yeah, to me, it's very important. And I'm in a position of privilege where I can be safely, like, very loud about being ADHD and trans and whatever. And and so I am <laughs> but, yeah, for exactly what you said, like um, the more people that I could see like, oh, hey, you can be a successful, like, or, or at least have your stuff together. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, we're saying that I'm successful. I haven't published anything, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. I think. <laughs> you're doing it. You're doing it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: getting back. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, yeah, it's it's such an uphill battle, because, yeah, uh, like, publishers don't really think the stories will sell, or they, like, like it seems, like, I don't know, it's hard, because, like, my perspective is only my own, so I don't know exactly what's going on in, like, publishers' heads, but it feels like we get the same stories retold over and over again, and the same perspectives shared over and over again. So, yeah, it's kind of an uphill battle, it feels like. Yeah,
0: definitely. And I hope that in the not too distant future that it's just a very openly accepted thing. It's a it's a definitely an interesting thing cuz you know, growing up, I had no I I don't I didn't know anybody trans. And yeah, for years and years and I think that was normal to just, you know. So it's a newer concept for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's what blows my mind about it. Like Trans people have been around like like forever, and I was like talking to my mom about it, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I I back when I was like doing like um I forgot what kind of work, but doing like um." Social services kind of work. Like, I worked with some trans people, and I was, and there's a part of me that was like, You worked with trans people and you didn't tell me about it? (laughs) I was like, She didn't know that I was like trans or anything. Like, (laughs) yeah. She just thought that I was like kind of an odd kid. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but I don't know. There's some, like, people don't feel safe being open about it like um it was it's really funny story because like i was um i have like this group that i play like rpgs with and they're the coolest people and like one and then shortly after i realized i was trans i like came out to them and then like within weeks of that i was like wait you're trans too, and you're gender fluid, and you're Asian. How come never <laughs> you told me? <laughs> uh,
0: that's awesome. <laughs> so, you had a supportive community right away.
1: Yeah, right away. I had a very supportive community. I thought that, that group went from being like all straight head to like all queer real fast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh uh, that's <laughs> that's so wonderful <laughs> uh, do you want to tell us a little about your story your journey
1: yeah sure um so like i um yeah i don't know where do i start so like i only realized i was trans like maybe two years ago yeah about God, was it two years ago? Ah, geez, the ADHD. (laughs) I can't can't remember. It was like two years ago, maybe three years ago. I can't remember. But like, it wasn't that long. Oh, no, it was two years ago because it was just before the pandemic hit. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was just before the pandemic hit. Like, like I had like, I had been out for like maybe like four or five months and I was like, like, oh, so this is why I'm such a recluse. Like, this is why like I had so much trouble socializing with people. I can't wait to go out there. Oh, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, thanks, world, for shutting down everything right when I was ready to get on my show. <laughs> <laughs> it sure. worked out. It gave me some time to, like, transition and stuff because, like, during the, during the first year or so of your transition, it's like real rough because you're kind of in that uncanny Valley where like, like your body hasn't like, like changed that much. And so like, so like people, I don't, I don't know. I still get funny looks like it's different for everybody. I, I don't get as many funny looks now as I used to back then, but like back then it was real, real rough. I <laughs> do oh, <no>. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so it was kind of a little bit of a blessing. I I had like a whole year of being like stuck at home while my body like re, like changed with hormone therapy and um, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is nice. Uh, yeah. Have you had any problems in the? I guess even in the community, has has anyone ever like attacked you about it? This is an uncomfortable situation. <laughs> thing to talk about so uh, if you don't want to i totally that's okay
1: oh no um actually the community has been like really amazing i've like god like um there's i feel like this is another part of the story like we hear so many bad stories of like people coming out and then getting rejected from their families and stuff like that that I don't know, you kind of come to expect that's what's going to happen when you come out at work or when you come out to your family. But like when I came out to my family, it was like nothing but incredibly supportive, like love. Like I came out to my family like a month before Christmas and I was not dead named or misgendered once At like when we went to like the family gathering. It was like oh, the sweetest lovely. like thing. Yeah, it was so lovely. And um, um, I came out to work and I was again. I was like, sort of expecting backlash. I was like, I was like covertly like talking to HR about the best way to do it, and like, and I like finally came out to everybody at work, and everybody was just really cool about it. It's <laughs> just like, like I think there's maybe like a couple times when somebody accidentally like dead named me, and but like for the most part, they're very cool, and now they've got like a very like active like like um LGBT initiative going on. It's like <laughs> that's cool. Like, wow. Okay, cool. So actually just love then. <laughs> <laughs> well this and is the easy. Same, what's
0: everyone else's problem. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah I know I'm like it's rough because like um I because before I like came out to my family and stuff I I started becoming part of like some online communities. And there are so many heartbreaking stories out there. There are so many heartbreaking stories of people like, getting disowned from family or getting laid off from work for like very clearly transphobic reasons, even though oh. it's supposed to be protected. Like Yeah. It is like it is so heartbreaking. But like I think it's just some combination of me being in California and just being like real lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and but like but I mean, the board game community space has been like really accepting. I was like surprised how many communities I joined were putting pronouns in your profile was like standard procedure, and I was like, "This is awesome. Like I didn't realize it was such an like accepting space <laughs> yeah <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't always like that, but um some somehow somewhere it became kind of common practice, and I think there was like one time. That somebody had weaselled into like a space and said some really transphobic nonsense, and they were banned so fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a relief. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so well, yes, I'm glad to hear it. It sounds like a lot of progress has been made, so that it it isn't. Mess- I mean, I'm sure you were were you scared when you were coming oh, yeah. out at all of these different places.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I was out before I joined the board game community, uh-huh. so um, by that point, I was already emboldened from my positive experiences with like work and family. I mean, not to say that I never had any bad experiences. I still have like like the weird off cuff experience on the street or random people or God, the uh, the chasers online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
0: saw a post today
1: about that. Yeah. yeah, It's like, uh to some people, like dating has been impossible. I just is just been like such a frustrating experience trying to date. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, if you don't mind, I would love to ask more more about that.
1: What has that? Yeah, been like yeah. Well, it's, What problems
0: have you run into?
1: I don't mind sharing, but it might get a little a little hairy. <laughs> but like, all right, you've like, all been warned. <laughs> yeah, you've been warned. It's gonna get it's
0: PG, but
1: <laughs> content-wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like like I don't know. I like the more people I talk to, the more it sounds like this is just a general like woman experience, not necessarily a trans one. But there are just so many like <laughs> there are just so many men that seem that like, that just reduce you to like a porn category. Like like, like, oh, like, I like like Asians. It's like, ugh. Like, like, I like trans people. It's like, ugh. Like, I just, I just want to be accepted for me. I don't want, like, how do I put this? It's like, I want to date somebody and it not, and them not be interested in me because I'm trans. It's just that it's, just the thing that's there and that they don't care about. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like 90% of the time when I go on a date with somebody they're they're like a little too into the fact that I'm trans. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so that's what's been frustrating. It's like like, I'm not looking for some overtly sexual thing. I just want like a regular, like romantic like, like relationship, but everybody seems to think that being trans is like in, like inherently sexual or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that is interesting. And talking to my wife, we met online dating. And so we'll talk about past experiences and it's like, you know, most of hers are like guys sending me junk pics or mm-hmm. guys trying to get me to send nudes pretty darn quick before we've even met or anything like that. And yeah. Yeah. And so, it, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's uh, pretty universal that guys just suck. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's real rough being, um, it's real rough being attracted to masculine energy. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of men that are just like one goes straight into the sex stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I like that you put masculine energy. So I don't think I've ever talked to anyone more than my wife about this type of thing. But I uh, I prefer I like they, and I almost wish that everyone was they. You know, like I don't really care. I, I guess somebody i oh no i did talk to some other friends about it and i was like i like the pronoun they and if you want people wanted to call me they that'd be great but i also wouldn't be offended if people call me he or she or it i don't care uh <laughs> you know but they were like well that's because you're a white male and so you have that white male privilege where like your gender your race doesn't affect anything. I'm part Native American, but nobody could tell. Like, I have the slightest reddish hue that you could not tell <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I'm Native, you know, at all. Anyways, I I just think that would be such a cool world to just be attracted to who you're attracted to, to dress the way you want to dress, to be the way you want to be. Like, I do very yeah. feminine things. I flirt with guys. I flirt with girls. I, you know, like, it's, it's just a fun... Human, I'm just human, uh and yeah, and so gender doesn't necessarily play a part of that, but at the same time, like I definitely value the diversity and value having differences between everyone, so uh, mine's a very robotic, <laughs> logical way to look at it, where, like if I was a robot and this is the way it is, you are all human, nothing else matters, you know, like
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> it'd be but a terrible like...
1: way to live, <laughs> <laughs> but like I. I totally I totally get where you're coming from because I was like really like part of my transition, I was like really confused about my sexuality because like like I don't know, how do I explain this? There's a lot of like things about like there's a lot of feelings that they that they don't really like explain to you in school. Like I was I was feeling like this these emotions towards women like for most of my life. And I was just like, this must be attraction. I must just be attracted to women. Um, and then it was only like within the past couple of years, I realized, oh, this is gender envy. I'm just envious of these women and their bodies. Oh, <laughs>
0: interesting.
1: Yeah. And, um, and like, and so like partway through my transition, I was like, Like, so like for the early part of my transition, I was like, so I guess this makes me a lesbian. I guess I'm a lesbian woman. Like, (laughs) and I'm like, okay. And a lot of people give you weird, like, looks for that. It's like, like there's this weird heteronormative expectation that when you transition that you're also going to like the straight will carry with you. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) like. yeah I don't, I don't know how else to put it like, they're like like hold on you're going to be a like a woman lesbian just what well, that sounds like being like straight with weird steps like <laughs> it's like no <laughs> no i'm a woman and and there are a lot of trans women that are attracted to women and like um it's a very like common thing that i'm that i see and yeah. And there's like nothing wrong with that. Like you just identify as a woman and you're attracted to women. That's cool. Um, right.
0: Like your identity and your sexuality are two different things.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're like conflated so much in their culture that people get like really confused. And like and they're conflated so much that I was confused. That I was like that I went through a period during my transition where I was like starting to notice like men. I was like, Am I attracted to men? When did this happen?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like the when does am I just like am I being compulsive compulsorily uh, the words am I am I being am I feeling compelled to be heteronormative too? Like what's going on here? Um and like I'm only recently coming to terms with the fact that I'm just like that I'm just pan and I'm attracted to masculine energy. Like that's just the easiest way to it for myself. Um, <laughs> and so like I've like almost exclusively been dating non-binary people just because I've had so many bad experiences with cis men. <laughs> Fair.
0: Yeah.
1: You and, um, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I appreciate you being so open and being willing to talk about it. I hope that the listeners appreciate this, as uh, as awkward as you and I might get occasionally, because <laughs> it's weird, somewhat, to openly talk and discuss it sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah, you
1: know. yeah. People don't really talk about this kind of stuff. I, I, oh, I remember what I wanted to say <laughs> when, like, when, when you like. I think part of transitioning is being like. Like none of this gender stuff makes any gosh darn sense. <laughs> like, like wh- how are we like just grouping people up and being like you gotta be attracted to these people when like, like, like this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so like, some part of that process is just like, like what was this gay straight just like <laughs> you're just attracted to whoever, okay? <laughs> <laughs> just accept it. Like, let's not overcomplicate yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why does it have to be like a part of your identity? You're just, are you attracted to this person or not? You. That doesn't mean you're gay in that moment, or that you're straight in that moment, or you're just who you are, and you're attracted to whoever you're attracted to. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I agree. I <laughs> <Well, and, laughs> I kind of, to the extreme, I think gender, or, uh, well, gender to an extent is fluid. Uh, <clears throat> I think we all kind of have, we. that's a lot more flu or solid than sexuality. Like sexuality is definitely fluid.
1: Yeah. But like even gender, yeah, gender is very fluid. The last person that I seriously dated was gender fluid and, uh, Zay would go through like periods of feeling very masculine periods of feeling very feminine. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah, uh,
0: I actually had a question about that and I, I was saving this question for this. Uh, <laughs> even though now you're not dating Zay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what is, cause you would say my Zay, Zay friend, Zay friend.
1: Uh, my Zoy friend. Zoy friend. Yeah. That's
0: what it was. So what is, mm-hmm. what is this? Uh, this is a, a, pronoun i haven't heard before and i tried looking yeah. it up and literally google was useless <laughs> so everyone i did my due diligence i did the google and i couldn't <laughs> find anything so now i'm going to the source
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so like i i have heard of z zim pronouns i they call them neo pronouns, and there's like there's a z there's like a Z Zim spelled with X's, and there's a Z Zim spelled with Z's, and like hmm. basically all that's happening is that there's a distinct lack of like non-gendered language, and so you, sometimes you just gotta make it up. <laughs> 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 um, like if we were talking about it, we're like, like what do I call you? Do I call you my partner? And it's like that sounds so stuffy. Um, how about you just call me your zoey friend? I was like, I love that. I'm just calling you my zoey friend now. And people are just going to have to figure it out through context clues. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) So that's why when I Googled it, I didn't
0: really get anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, because that is my unique, word. <laughs> our unique word that we uh, created for our situation because uh, there wasn't, because partner didn't quite fit the bill and then there wasn't our gender neutral term for it.
0: <laughs> I, that makes me so happy because I just was, I was thinking, I'm just an old man, I guess, you know, <laughs> what's with these zays and zo's and, Z- you know? <laughs> I wasn't grumpy about it. I was very genuinely curious about it. Curious enough to actually Google it.
1: <laughs> yeah, like uh. this is a struggle that um, I have with my sibling a lot because my sibling's is agender. and so like we're like constantly struggling with like, what should I have my daughter call you? Like, what's the gender neutral version of uncle and aunt? And like we said, we settled on Pibble. Because we had heard the term "nibble" for like gender neutral niece and nephew, yeah, and "pibble" would be like the parent version of that. <laughs> but like, it's like a constant struggle of stuff like that. It's like, what's the gender neutral version of this? Like, um, when we when I broke up with my uh, when I broke up with my boyfriend, my ex zoyfriend like I was like, I'm so mad at them right now, but it's even more frustrating that I can't think of the gender neutral version of the words I want to use. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also <laughs> using Zay and Zem is such a fun thing to say that it would yeah, be like yeah. oh Zay
1: are such a pain in the butt <laughs> Zay is, it sounds like you're having fun doing it <laughs> oh Z makes me so mad sometimes <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: Are you doing better now? You you're getting out there?
1: I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm taking a break from the whole dating thing. That's totally fair. <laughs> just just it's just so frustrating. <laughs> I just need a break from it. I think like it was funny because like um this all happened in the middle of me working on my game about having a fight with your partner. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm in the middle of making this game where one of the where one of the end states is you break up and of course in the middle of working on this game i break oh, up oh
0: no you need like to experience the dead- it
1: yeah yeah this is my joke is that um making games is how i deal with trauma okay. <laughs> um but like i the deadline on that was so tight that it wasn't until i finished that I hit that deadline like this past weekend. That I was like, like, oh, oh, all the feelings from the breakup are hitting me now. Oh, oh. all the sadness, all the loneliness, all that grief is hitting me all at this moment. <laughs> Dang! <laughs> of course, you got to
0: keep yourself busy.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got to keep yourself on the toe, on your toes. Uh, that's like that's one way of avoiding dealing with like your past trauma is just keep yourself <laughs> busy. <laughs> You can just cope your whole way through it. Yeah. (laughs) Never deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. Just keep coping. Just keep. (laughs) Uh, uh,
0: This got brought up a while ago and I forgot to touch on that, but dead naming is when you use somebody's name from before they transitioned. So.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Just wanted to figure there's listeners who probably don't know that term. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Did you have
0: something to say about it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess I do. Um, like when I first like came out, I was like, like, why do they call it a dead name? Like it's there's like history attached to it. And then like I don't know, like a month or two down the line, I'm like, oh, this is why because it resurfaces a lot of trauma every time you hear it. <laughs> that name is dead to me. Don't ever use it, please. <laughs> yeah. So never ask a trans person their
0: dead name. You don't need to know.
1: Yeah, it's rude. It <laughs> Don't
0: do rude. it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I just wanted to touch on that before uh, before I forgot. Uh, well, is there anything else trans-wise, I, you know, a message out there or something for people who might be in the closet still? And
1: yeah, yeah, just um, hang in there and explore. Um, I think something. I think something that I wish I knew early on is that like none of this has to be like a hard commitment. Like, like even, even the hormone relate, like even HRT hormone like therapy, like that stuff isn't like permanent until like you've been on it for a long time. So you could like try it for a month and be like, Oh, you know what? This is gross. I don't like it. <laughs> like, and like, and even more so with just things like, like clothes and pronouns and stuff like, like, somebody would like. I went to like a trans support group and was like, um, like, not like, like, this was like early on. And I was like, oh no, am I, am I really trans or am I, is this just on my head? And they're like, uh, just, why don't you just try them? Just try on the pronouns. That It's not like you have to like write it on your like birth certificate right now to try it out. Just, just give it a try, see how it feels. And I was like, okay. And like, it immediately felt so freaking good. <laughs> And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm probably trans. <laughs> so just like experiment. And like, sometimes that could be hard because maybe you don't have like a supportive environment, but there's a lot of spaces online where you could be safe to explore your identity. And if you could just try that, if you're questioning, if you're just not sure, just try it. Like there's no harm in exploring and figuring out your identity. And if it turns out you're a cis more power to you there's the world's catered towards you (laughs) 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 just just have that confidence of like you know i tried it it wasn't for me (laughs) (laughs) we're all
0: trying to figure out who we are (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah and and you know like i i like to keep my dms and stuff open if you want to ask me questions and stuff like i i try to be open so yeah just um just don't hit on me out of the gate okay i'm i'm (laughs) i'm starting to have trauma around
0: that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i always try i i get in trouble i guess sometimes uh I always assume the best of people. And so sometimes people will come to, or I'll say something and somebody will respond to it. And I think that they're trying to have like a good faith argument and they are not. And I, it happens (laughs) more often than not where I say something and then they come back with something and I'm like, Oh, well here's why I think that that doesn't work or something like that. Uh, And, and then they'll either not respond or just like double down on it and, and call me stupid or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'd, they're strangers on the internet. But mm-hmm. uh, please don't do, go into it with like. I, I don't know if you call bad faith the other way, but like, you
2: yeah, know, you, yeah.
0: If if you're gonna reach out to somebody and talk to somebody, be open to all sides of it. Uh, if you don't understand it, and you're genuinely yeah. trying to understand it, uh, yeah.
1: Don't be and a jerk. <laughs> yeah, and like and it's real easy to block somebody. So like, and I've gotten pretty good at figuring out when people come in with bad faith arguments. So like, <laughs> 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 like I'm not, I'm not afraid to shut down the conversation, but <laughs> I, I do keep my DMs open because sometimes people are just like, like, I don't know what's going on. And, um, and just having somebody there for you during that moment, I think could be a big deal sometimes. And so if, if you've got gender questions for me, I'm I'm more than open. To talk about it. Just don't jump into my DMs calling me beautiful. Like I've had way too many of those, and they're always unbaling. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that's fair. I mean, you shouldn't be doing that to you. Don't do that to anybody. I don't know. Like why? Would, I don't know. I guess. I've been out of the dating world for too long.
1: (laughs) I feel bad because, like, somebody being like, "I think you're attractive," shouldn't necessarily be grounds for like, uh, like, (laughs) yeah. But like, you, a certain point, you've just been burned so many times. Like, like, maybe this person just genuinely thinks I'm attractive and is reaching out for help. No, no, they want the they want pics. (laughs)
0: i'm so glad that i'm some ugly misshapen person that doesn't get hit on so you know maybe try that
1: (laughs) i i had considered that (laughs) Uh, i think it's just a woman thing i think it's just like a femme energy thing because like because you're a very attractive person and I so I think maybe if you're just presenting more fan, maybe people will feel more emboldened to like harass you too. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many actual relationships have stemmed from someone being like sliding into the DMs and being like, Hey girl, you
1: hot? What's up? <laughs> Look at my six bag this is how our relationship started he stayed to <laughs> my DMs he sent me a dick pic and-, <laughs> and then I was like hmm, this is the one
0: <laughs> happily ever after <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> well if there's, is there anything else you want to touch on before we move on
1: No, no, that's it. Yeah, just, yeah, just, I I wish more people felt, like, safe exploring. And I wish people gave people space to explore, too. I guess be supportive of people who are exploring. Yeah. Try to have an open mind.
0: Yeah. It's not hard to be respectful of people's wishes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well... Now we'll dive back into normal conversation.
1: So boring.
0: <laughs> what do you do outside of board games?
1: Oh, God, I've been dreading this question.
0: <laughs> well, you play video games, right? We know that.
1: Yeah, I do. I play a little bit of video games. Uh, every once in a while, um, Lucas Pope or uh, Toby Fox will make a video game and I will play it. <laughs> It feels I like those are the I don't I'm know sorry? who those are. Okay. Oh, you don't know who Toby Fox is here. So do you know Undertale?
0: Yeah, oh uh Oh, I'm drawing a blank. I know the name. And I even have like an image in my head, but it's not like fully formed. Like uh
1: Sans and uh um uh, papyrus or yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so like <laughs> so um <laughs> Toby Fox is. the are you person talking about Are you talking about font? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, there are characters that are inspired by fonts. <laughs> okay, but like Undertale is like a game. It's like it's it's heavily inspired by like like RPGs like Earthbound. Oh, okay, and it's but it's designed so that you don't necessarily have to kill any enemies. You could get through that game doing like a pacifist run. And and that game was like a huge like that that game made me rethink the way that I approach games in general, not just like in terms of like like oh, I go into games for violence. Like it was more like why do I go into this mindset of I have to explore every nook and cranny of this game? like no matter the consequences no matter like the like the narrative vision of the story like I don't know how to explain it but like that's a game that like actively judges you for like exploring all of the content in it <laughs> <laughs> just what I like and in the, my games <laughs> yeah yeah i like a game that's like what is wrong with you what are you doing <laughs> don't you have anything better to do <laughs> Um, And then Lucas Pope is just, like, uh, this just genius game designer. um, Like, uh, he designed uh, Papers, Please, if you've heard of that one. Mm -hmm. Um, It's this game where you're a border inspection, like, agent, like, person, like, checking passports and choosing who to let cross the border. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Which Which sounds, like, terrible. It sounds like a really boring, bureaucratic game. But... With that simple mechanic of like checking paperwork for like like errors and like seeing if stuff is expired or something's like a forgery, and just with that mechanic, it tells like such compelling stories and like intru- and and like um, puts you into like such like interesting ethical dilemmas, like. Like somebody will like come with like clean paperwork, and they will be like like please be kind to my wife that's coming next. And then the wife comes, and like her stuff is expired. And then it's like please, like if we get separated, then the board like <laughs> 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 like that guy also did um the return of the Oberdin, which is just like this really amazing game where you're an insurance inspector, like looking trying to figure out what happened on this ship that came back empty like and yeah uh, he just like comes at games at such like a unique like stance and intre- and brings such new mechanics in such an interesting way that I'm always like really compelled by his work <laughs> most games is just like how many guys can you shoot <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeow>! <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: And don't get me wrong, every once in a while I like to play like Enter the Gungeon. I played a lot of Enter the Gungeon, but, yeah. like, um, but lately I find I only have time for those kind of games. I used to play a whole lot of Dota and Team Fortress 2. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I love Team Fortress 2. That was oh, that was a good one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got an l- embarrassing amount of hours in that game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well then other than video games sounds like um, that's not your main hobby out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll play video games like very sparsely nowadays. The thing I like doing the most nowadays I think is just listening to like YouTube video SES, which sounds like scary because like that's like a gateway towards like extremism. <laughs> Wait, what is it? YouTube video essays. <laughs> oh, essays. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I heard S-A-S is, and I was like, what is SAS that?
1: <laughs> Yeah, but like, I really like like watching these YouTubes of people like doing like deep dives into media. And I think my favorite right now is CJ the X. Um, I'm not sure what uh, their pronouns are. But like they have like this really awesome video, like an- breaking down Bo Burnham. Oh. Um, and it's like a two something hour long thing, but like I'm just obsessed with it and I like re-watch it all the time. And I'm like but <laughs> uh, like I love watching like these like different perspectives on like the media that I like listen to or enjoy. And to me it's like analyzing like modern art. Like the this is the art of our times, these memes, this like this this cat video these are this is the artwork of our times and these are the people that are analyzing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that
0: makes sense you know gifs are art now yeah
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, the uh, same sorry. person did like a like video analyzing like uh, their favorite memes and it's like there is so much like information that is conveyed so quickly and such like in the image with like some subtitles on it there's so much yeah. emotional energy that gets like <laughs> conveyed in that
0: <laughs> that is fascinating huh off to check out some some YouTube essays
1: yeah yeah <laughs>
0: oh you know what I didn't we didn't talk about this uh was you're a mom
1: oh yeah yeah I'm a mom <laughs> yeah I'm a mom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've got a kid, and she is, she is such a, she is such a bundle of energy. <laughs> <laughs> How old? She's four years old. Um, she is so excited to wear her uh, Little Mermaid costume to preschool today.
0: <laughs> oh, nice Oh, yeah. For people not who don't know, today is friday before halloween so Mm -hmm. uh yeah that's when we're recording this this will come out after halloween but
1: (laughs) yeah she she woke up and she was like i i get to wear the mermaid costume to school i was like yes honey (laughs) she was so excited
0: (laughs) oh that's awesome (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) I've been slowly trying to indoctrinate her into the game world.
0: <laughs> yeah, 4 years um, old. Can you play much with her?
1: Um not too much. She she still has a lot of trouble with grasping the magic circle. She gets like competitive over stuff that's like not even supposed to be competitive and she gets like <laughs> It's like like honey this is a cooperative game. It's like how come you found more like things than me? <laughs> Uh. But but yeah, she's getting there. I've gotten her to play this like Richard Scary Find and Seek game a few times, and mm-hmm. and she's she likes Hungry Hungry Hippos. All you gotta do is mash mash a lever on that game. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's like the equivalent of Street Fighter. There, it's a button masher.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hungry Hungry Hippos, the original button masher. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There you go. I don't know who... Does, ha- does Hasbro make that?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. Well, it sounds like a Hasbro thing.
0: That, whoever <laughs> makes it, there you go. There's your new slogan for Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, She's been, like, really into arts and crafts lately, and I'm, like, all for that. I I Because I've been getting into arts and crafts lately. Um, It's like... Fun to like look at stuff and be like, How can I prototype a game with this? <laughs> and now she's like using the same st- stuff that I'm playing with to like make like play swords and shields and stuff.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I talk about like, We need to have a kid just so that I can have a board game, but a, b- a board gaming buddy. <laughs> I don't know why I podcast. I get tongue-tied so
1: often. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, tongue-tied is just a perpetual state for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel.
0: (laughs) And then I kick myself because I have to edit the video, and I'm like, oh, I
1: sound so stupid. Oh, man. Can I just cut this whole part out? This is why I don't edit anything, because it would just take me forever. And I hate listening to my voice over and over again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've learned to ignore my voice. And then today, actually, I was listening to an old episode. And I was like, oh, no, I sound so terrible. This is why I should listen, is so I can figure out those patterns that I keep going to. Like, oh yeah, with Mick and Starla, I said, I love that so much. And I said that. Throughout the entire episode Because they were so high energy That I felt like I couldn't keep up And my mind was blinking Because they just had such great chemistry And I didn't want to ruin it And so all I could say was like I love that so much Because I did love it so much <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh my god When somebody points out like your like vocal tick And then all of a sudden it's like I say this so much Oh no <laughs> How do I fix this? I just said it again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I told Phil about that uh, for that Mick and Starla episode. And so he sent me a poop emoji every time he heard it while he was listening to the episode. And all of a sudden, the next day, I'm receiving poop emojis. And I'm like, what is this for? I I completely forgot. You know why?
2: <laughs> oh my
0: god! Uh, <laughs> Phil from Organized Fun. If you didn't, people, yeah. <laughs> uh, any any other hobbies you want to touch on?
1: Yeah, actually, um, just yesterday I was. Uh, Like, I need a day to decompress. What are the things I like to do for fun? Um, I like to play video games, or specifically Toby Fox and Lucas Pope video games. I like, um, God, what was the other thing? Like, oh, um, I just started recently watching Lower Decks, and that show is, like, really amazing. I don't even watch a lot of Star Trek. Yeah, but that show is, like, so
0: good. Are you through the first season, or are you into the second
1: I finished the second season. Oh man, you're ahead of me then. I,
0: I was going to start the second today, but I was like, I really need to get an interview in before next week. (laughs) So I'm doing this
1: with you instead. (laughs) I'm like, i because of the ADHD, I have to have like a constant level of stimulation. So um like when I have like really boring chores around, I like it's like, okay, this is the time that I get to watch lower decks. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, and then the last thing is like um I'm like amateurish into fashion, which is just a nice way of saying I like buying clothes.
2: <laughs> I was
1: totally expecting you to say like I sewed this
0: shirt and I made this, you know, like I make outfits. No, it no, just buy-
1: <laughs> no, I just like buying stuff. <laughs> yeah, this this nice shirt I got for Halloween, but I'm like, I think I'm just gonna wear this regularly, actually. <laughs>
0: Uh, that is uh, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I'm going to start saying that about like my board game. I'm a I'm a bit of an art connoisseur. That's yeah, why yeah. I have this sh- shelf of artwork. <laughs> yes. You mean your board game? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> Let's get this a little higher class around here. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, that i that is a great shirt though that's and it fits for your victorian age costume
1: yeah right right yeah it's like wow this is like really cool and it like doesn't accentuate my shoulders too much it's like awesome
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and it looks like it would be a totally normal cool shirt to wear anyway
1: yeah, yeah. So I'm totally gonna wear this like outside of like Halloween, but like today it's gonna be my costume. I got a mask, and suddenly it's a costume. It's just like Mean Girls bunny ears. I'm a bunny. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: obviously. <laughs> oh, but if you put the bunny ears on the mask, then that's totally Bioshock.
1: Yeah, oh my god, yeah, you're totally right. I could totally do a Bioshock thing if I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I I had like such ambitions for this costume. I was going to um my I had like I have this like vision that persuasion takes place in this like alternate like Victorian age where like like not quite steampunk but like neon punk where like like steampunk is like everything is like wood and brass, but like I envision yeah. it's more like glass and like silver <laughs> like- oh. <laughs> and so I like got all this like neon tubing, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm gonna make this really cool neon like I never had time for any of that crap. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just gonna be this and this mask <laughs> Hey
0: it's a great it's a great costume
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> uh, you're going as uh, as one of your characters from persuasion
1: <laughs> yeah 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 exactly
0: <laughs> uh, I very much. So, what what am I saying? <laughs> I really want one day to dress up in full like Victorian era outfits uh and have a group of people get together and play persuasion. Do like a YouTube thing. Oh, you could do that online still. Oh, man. Okay, I need to get with some
1: YouTube streamers. Let's get this going. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Oh my God, that sounds That sounds awesome actually. <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs>
0: Oh, I would, I think that'd be great. Especially like, oh, are you going to put on, it's on Game Crafter, right?
1: It's, it's not for sale yet because I got my physical copy. I'm like, oh, there's lots of little things that I need to fix. Oh, okay. And I also think I could fit into a smaller box. I, the only reason I put in such a big box was for the contest. And it could actually fit in a smaller box. So oh, nice. there's lots of little things that I want to tweak before I start letting people buy it. And also, I need to um, do unguided tests of it because um, I haven't done any of those. <laughs> and I don't fit in the box.
0: Ship <laughs> <laughs> shape. <here>. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: but you're not planning on doing, like, Kickstarter. you Are are you just going to release it through Game Crafter or...?
1: Yeah, I haven't decided. It would be nice to get a publisher, but I think at this point, I'm just sort of like, oh, I'm just going to self-publish it. I have a, like... Um, I have a friend that like really does that's really into like Victorian sort of sketches. Mm-hmm. And um I've asked her to do some like artwork and she's she's been doing some stuff that I was not expecting, but I'm like really into. So um so I'm thinking that I'm just gonna put it on Gamecrafter for like people that wanna get in on it early or maybe make a print and play and then maybe eventually when that artwork is ready, then I'll like actually have it for sale I don't know I'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs>
0: sounds good to me whenever you're ready to promote it we'll do the whole dress up in Victorian era stuff and do a stream that would be yeah. That I would love that
1: yeah that would be awesome
0: I'm inviting myself to do that like <laughs> hey I'm not asking for permission from you I guess whoops
1: <laughs> I would love it anyway <laughs>
0: Oh, ridiculous theme! Wait, this is going to be a long episode. Suck it up, people. <laughs> You've made it this far.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, you do you have I, one? I well, I I've been meaning to ask. Um, to you, what makes a game have a ridiculous theme? Because I've seen games about things as ridiculous as, like, removing vegetables from your deck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sort of like, like, games that I think are ridiculous themes, like having a fight with your partner sound like totally legit ideas to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say that Wingspan was the inspiration for Ridiculous Theme because it... You know, uh, at first I thought it was like a bird watching game, which it kind of is. But really, you're building a habitat, uh, which is a better theme than bird watching. And so my original perception of it was it was just a bird watching game. What a boring game. What a ridiculous theme. (laughs) What an amazing game in actuality, once I actually played it. Uh, (laughs) But that's what inspired it. So it's like it doesn't even have to be a bad game or anything. Just something you think would be a silly thing. Because persuasion, by all means, qualifies (laughs) as a ridiculous theme for me. Like I would have never thought I would have wanted to play a Victorian-era dating game,
1: you know? uh, (laughs) That sounds ridiculous, and it is so much fun! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in terms of ridiculous things, um, a game that I really want to see made, um, you you probably haven't heard the game Everything. It's... This game where you play as like literally everything. <laughs> you play as like a deer, but you could like start playing as like the, as an elephant, and then you could start playing as like the grass or, or an atom or, or a planet. Like you literally play as anything. Um, as you're playing the game, there'll be lots of little things that will trigger the, this like, uh, this like, I don't know what to call it, this lecture or, this dialogue from this person called Alan Watts and it'll it'll just be all this like really philosophical like taoist buddhist like sort of like like stuff about how you're one with the how you're a part of the universe like like how like god i don't I don't know how to explain this stuff. I'm not like a super smarty brainy person, <laughs> but like the same way that like an apple grows off of an apple tree, you exist out of like like the world or like so I would want to make a game that that captures the essence of that sort of like philosophy that you are a you are a piece of this greater universe that you are that it's not that you exist. Inside the universe, but that you are the universe.
0: <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah, it was the the Beatles right? You are one, and we are one, and we are all together, or whatever that is. Yeah, I am yeah. one. You are one, whatever it is. I. Sorry for slaughtering the Beatles there. Uh. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that's a good theme. I like that. Yeah, I could be. Yeah, that would be an interesting playground to play with.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what, like, the win condition of such a game would be. Or, like, or, or that seems like the kind of game where as soon as you try to attach a win condition to it, you would lose. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, are you trying to create something for your ego to do? You lost. <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh,
0: in the audible adaption of Sandman there's this like fight of wits essentially where they're saying like, I am a elephant strong and powerful. And I would trample your, your aunt or whatever. And then they would go like, well, I am a hunter. And, and they just are like one upping each other back and forth. And so it almost sounds like that, but in reverse of being like, I am this and I sustain you. I like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to work together and and uh, make sure we all cohabitate. You know. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Keeping certain. Yeah, like it's God. I don't. I have like no. I I'm not articulate or enlightened enough to like <laughs> 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 yeah. properly convey what like this philosophy stuff is about. But just yeah, I just I think that would be such an awesome game if. It help people if it help people sort of see things in that sort of perspective.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is really interesting. <laughs> My sister is super duper hippie, uh, which is great. No judgment here, uh, but that sounds like something she would totally be into. And if we let's call her up right now, no, uh, <laughs> she would totally have ideas about that because that's totally. That's her philosophy. And she's pretty well spoken. She's a lot better spoken than me. I'm like the worst in my family. (laughs) Everyone's better at whatever they're doing than me. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I like that idea.
1: I feel like that's a thing that might exist somehow, someday. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to you creating it.
0: (laughs) Mine, I am basing it just off of your... I mean, it's it's almost persuasion, but just the your your landing page, your your website of doing the dating sim, that old retro dating sim. I think that would be entertaining to have. Oh, yeah. A, oh, maybe it could be like a deck of cards and it would be like, this is Katie's deck. Like, can you make it through Katie's deck and almost choose your own adventure? You know, the thing would come up and you'd read the response and then the response would say like, Go to card thirty-two, and then it like
1: like a like a one-deck date.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, one-deck date! (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's the perfect name. (laughs) It's like slide into Katie's DMs or comment on her. On her uh, posts, on her tweets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll slide into her DMs.
1: <laughs> when you were describing it, I thought it was going to be something more like Doki Doki Literature Club or something. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> is. That's. I don't know if I should explain it or not, but it's basically <laughs> a game about a rogue dating simulator. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah. <laughs> There's an episode of Gravity Falls that has like a a rogue dating simulator. They're like trying to <laughs> this awkward guy, the the weird guy had how to date.
1: <laughs> and he falls in love with the dating simulator that's actually alive. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So a game where you are the dating simulator and somebody else is playing the dating simulator.
0: Wait, wait. <laughs> But that's an awesome idea! Oh my god! Oh, this—that is incredible!
1: You're being courted. Oh my god! You gotta—you gotta let the player though think that they're that they have a chance, but not let them get to the end of the game, or else they'll turn you off and. <laughs>
2: Oh no. Oh.
1: <laughs> Some of
0: your responses don't quite match up, right? To throw them off. Yeah. <laughs> or they do something really weird. Oh man, these are lots of good ideas. Okay, dating simulator is totally a a genre of card games we need made, board games.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There are not enough games about Exploring Romance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I love it. One-deck dungeon, though. That feels like something realistic that I could make.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it totally does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now there's just like 30 other ridiculous themes I want to make, too. So (laughs) thanks so much for coming on. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up?
1: No. Nope. that's it for me.
0: Okay. Why don't we have you plug your stuff? Social media, your website.
1: Yeah. um, So I'm most active on Twitter at Red Cheshire Kate, like like Cheshire Cat except Kate and Red. So Red Cheshire Kate. um, At Red Cheshire Kate is my Twitter. That's where I'm most vocal. And then if you want to find any of my stuff, if you want to find my games, my selfies, my like, my YouTube streams, my Twitch streams, all that stuff is found on my website, knifebunny.com. There's a section for my personal stuff, which is cheshirekate.com. And then there's um, a section for all my game stuff, which is knifebunny.com. But they link back and forth to each other. So if you go to one, you can find the other.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Katie, for coming on. It's always fun to have a really real conversation, something that might be uncomfortable to talk about, but is important to get the information out there. And I wasn't uncomfortable at all. I hope you weren't. It seemed like we had a lot of fun. So thank you so much for coming on and doing that with me. Before we go to the end stuff, I went on Twitter and asked who slash what is your favorite board game character? Also, real quick note, I have been sick this whole week, so there is a good chance I'm not gonna edit this end piece. So forgive any roughness. I don't feel well, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time editing it. Suck it up. All right. At Spielmas, or Spielmas, definitely the Kraken or Kraken, whichever you say it, which is missing from Board Game Arena, but available in the first edition and Dark, my significant other will always grab it when playing in real life. That's King of Tokyo, and this is just this huge, shredded, Cthulhu-esque, one hand has a claw, one hand is holding like a shining energy light source. I don't know what it is, but this thing is hitting the gym every day. It is insane looking, and I like it a lot. Sky Larson at rob the Sky underscore games. I've played so many games of HeroScape with my friends that the characters hold a lot of meaning and even have inside jokes. Here's my favorite, the dino riding orc Grimnack. He once made a friend vow to never play HeroScape again. And to be clear, I should have said that we even have inside jokes about them. I. <laughs> this dinosaur is kind of odd looking. It almost looks eel esque, like the neck flows and it's like pointing down. And there's this orc riding on top of it with two spears, I think. It might be a flag and a spear or an axe pointing forward, charging. Huzzah! Phil Amelon at Board Game Bike. Lots of great options, but Joan of Arc from through the ages has carried me many times. Joan of Arc has such a stern look on this card. It is incredible, but I haven't played the game, so I don't know what this actually means, but here's my translation of it. Her like ability or whatever says, your temples and government give you plus one strength for each of their happy faces. So I'm super curious if that means like, Because this card has Joan of Arc, straight-faced. Does that mean other cards that are government or temple cards might have characters on them and they are actually smiling? Like, is there a government card where the person has a very stern look on their face and that doesn't count? But if they're smiling, you get plus one strength. I don't know. Board Game Hot Takes Podcast. That would be Tim from there said Greer from Near and Far by Red Raven Game, which is one of my favorite games. I will never say no to playing Near and Far. I, uh, I just, I love that game so, so much. And Greer is like this kind of bulky, bronze-esque, I think he's bronze, robot, uh, kind of steampunk-esque feel to him. Maxwell... Froudenthal at Maxwell underscore Froud. This guy from Big Book of Madness. Tentacles. Check. Incredible use incredibly useful ability. Check. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. His ability. I didn't read this beforehand. During your turn, you can treat one value, one air card as any element of your choice. Okay, yeah. So I did, I actually used this character last time I played. Big Book of Madness. I like that game a lot. This character looks really cool. He almost looks kind of like emo-esque goth. They all have a school uniform. So it's like a white button-up shirt with a tie and, and a blue vest. That's like a blue sweater vest with a patch on it. Their logo. Um, and... He's like wielding water in his hands. A ball of water. And then behind him are just a bunch of tentacles. I don't know if that's coming from him. Like, is he a tentacle man? Maybe. I don't know. Thinkella at Alexia underscore A underscore W. Wheelbarrow slash Monopoly. Of course, a classic. I mean, I'm more of a top hat, but that's because I'm a fancy boy. Whatever. Uh, Organized Fun, that's Phil, at Fun Organized with an S because they're from across the pond. Mark Harrigan from most of the Arkham games. Just look at the pose. Bad ass. He does, and I think, very like classic detective noir uh, look, but to me looks just like John Constantine, which isn't a bad thing because John Constantine is just like a twist on Classic detective noir, but hunts demons, and I'm guessing so does Mark Harrigan. I can't remember if I've played as him, or I don't know. I just ordered Arkham Horror LCG. I hope he's in the base game. I'm very excited to receive that. All right. Patrick Blindower at P.B. Lindauer, L-I-N-D-A-U-E-R. Uh, strange. The thing that pops into my head, Captain Fish from King of Tokyo, which is, I don't know what it is inside there. It's got to be some sort of fish with like a bubble or a, to me, it looks like a big ball with water in it so that the fish can survive. But it's also like walking, like in a mechanized suit. I don't know. looks really interesting. Sentient Board Game Souls we're old school red meeple carcassone and <laughs> I mean red meeple, you know what that is, but they have a, like a fourth wall breaking kind of like a TV set would be where they've done carcassone tiles and three of them are standing up to create a room. And then it's open. The fourth wall is open and there's a, another tile on the ground and the red meeple is on there with googly eyes. It's, It's a wonderful thing. Katie, who you just heard, she said, this mouse from Root's League of Adventurous Mice card. If you read this on stream, make sure to detail this mouse in excruciating detail. Okay, here we go. All right. This mouse is on a tree stump and it has with its right hand, it is bearing a pitchfork above its head. In the left hand, holding a torch, mouth agape, eyes wide. You can tell it is giving a rousing speech to a, looks like a a gang of other mice that have swords and spears and torches, and it seems to be rallying them, maybe to go fight a monster, maybe to end a war or maybe he's trying to stop him I actually don't know but I think it looks like he's getting ready for like a monster hunt or ward off like an invading force or she I don't know what the mouse is I'm sorry if I misgendered them all games new and old at, at all games new in old the letter n Jenny Barnes from Arkham Horror She's classy, tough, and is rich enough to make it rain all over Arkham. Uh, she does look very badass. She's got two guns, pearl necklace, blue dress. It looks like her dress might actually have like sequins on it. Big blue hat. And her. my favorite part is her like quote in on the card it says, I'm happy to throw money at the problem. And if that doesn't work, I shall throw something else. Carl at n twenty games at n twenty games. It has recently become dumpling, the cat from the the from the fort expansion. I had to look up what that was, but I looked it up, and it is a very chubby white cat. I mean, this thing's got rolls on its legs, rolls on its body. Uh, I'm surprised it doesn't have like multiple chins, but it is quite the adorable cat, and it makes you pay like an additional food or something to, to, to appease it. Oh, man, I like this next one. John Moffat, uh, at John Texmo, said, Mayor Van Damage from Streets of Steel. I had to look up what that was. I'm kind of familiar with Streets of Steel, but I didn't know the character. And this dude is like this super jacked, ripped, Black man that to me looks a lot like J. Jonah Jameson if he was a super ripped black man. And it is quite epic. <laughs> uh, John Wood said, Rektar, the button shy monster, is as seen in both Super Tall and Sprawlopolis. Give them more games to smash and crush in. Um. So it is a blue, if you know what Reptar is from Rugrats, it's like a blue version of that that breathes fire from what I can tell. And it is quite magnificent in all of its glory. Uh, Let's see. I think that is everything. So thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review, share it with your friends. You can at me at nerdoutwithus. You can email me, the Board Game Community Show. There's all of this information uh, about Katie, about me, about Protocon, which is an in-person event where you get to playtest games. Um, and that is happening January 28th and 29th. Their tickets are on sale. It's like $5 to come as a, as an attendee. Kids get in free, so it can be a great family event you can bring your whole family, your bring your grandma. There's lots of great games there. Let's see. There's also Kickstarters. Um, the Aaron and Paige Treglon have their faction fighters. That's still going on. And then Jess Metheringham has a uh, descent games. It's like a Christmas card. Oh no. Now I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's essentially a game that you It's like a roll and color game that fits on a postcard. So perfect. I think that they even can deliver in time for the holidays. Uh, So go look that up. I wish that I remembered what it was called. But Christmas card roll and color game by Descent Games. Uh, But that only has like two days. So if you're listening to it, don't put it off. Go and look now. It's pretty affordable, too. Uh, And I think she has something with charity. Like, uh, for every game purchase, she does something charitable, um, which is very, like, holiday spirit. So, wonderful. All right, that is it. That's me done. Until next week, keep nerding out.